Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Brooklet Games. Go to patreon.com backslash Brooklet Games for beautifully crafted content that provokes creative problem-solving and dramatic scenarios. Brooklyngames.com, find zines and more. Patreon.com backslash Brooklet Games. Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian. Joined today by our returning guests, Josh Damansky and Goblin Archives and Development Team with Liminal Horror. Welcome. Thank you for having us. No doubt. Yeah, thanks. And now, <laughs> just so folks know, where some folks may know you both from different places. Josh, could you could you give them a quick rundown of where what all you've done and where you where they might know you from? Like we were introduced, my name is Josh Shemansky. Listeners of the podcast may have heard me back in, oh man, it must have been like October, November on for ZineQuest. Uh, we were running a project for Little Horror and I came and did a little chat. But uh, outside of that, I am a writer and designer in the uh, indie TTRPG scene. Uh, make a lot of like little bits and bobs. Uh, did a couple of funnels for Old School Essentials with the Afterthought Committee. And most prominently for this, I was the co-author and designer of the Bureau, which was the most recent uh, official module for the Elemental Horror RPG. It's a, it's a mighty fine uh, module. I really appreciate it. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> and Goblin Archives, where would where would, where would folks recognize you from? <laughs> um, I'm Goblin Archives on pretty much, well, I say pretty much everything. Twitter, um, itch. Uh, I wrote Liminal Horror, and then Josh and I are going to be working. We'll talk a little bit about it. We're working on some follow-ups to that. I wrote The Mall, which was uh, another official module for Liminal Horror, and then co-wrote The Bureau, and then we're co-writing another thing coming up soon, which we'll talk about. We also ran and are still running. I think we talked a little bit about on here. I did a jam for Liminal Horror where people made a bunch of content for it. And there is just now so many modules <laughs> and things that are just fucking rad. <laughs> I'm excited about it. And here's the thing, like those, the mall and the bureau, I was, I'm super impressed with those as adventures and Liminal Horror in general. I don't think that I've seen something that's been that like, I, I've seen so much potential in since like I first saw Mothership pop out and the stuff that's coming around around that. I, and I, I don't often have drawn some parallels there, but I, there is a great thing here. Po folks are putting their own stuff out. So I know we want to talk about a couple things, but I want to ask a question first. We want to talk about what you got going on now, but folks are putting their own stuff out for liminal horror. How does that work? Like, like I know, like when you put something out for like D and D, they have a, a an open license and stuff like that, and like uh, there's conflict around how. So, what does someone need to do if they want to put out their own liminal horror stuff? Can you talk to some of that? <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I love that you did mention Mothership because a lot of how I and then Josh and I have worked on liminal horror has followed some of the. Um, I don't want to say teachings that Sean McCoy has did, but like some of his ideas around building a community around a game and supporting it. Yes. Um, and that is through people making stuff. And so I have, we made a third party license, which really is just an invitation to people to making things. There is 
no sort of fees or content control. It's just, there's a cool uh, label that Josh designed that you can put on your game as long as you follow the license, which really just says you're creating this, you get to keep all the profits for it. It does say that it's not officially endorsed by us, which is fine. <laughs> um, and there's uh, one or two lines about not being a fascist and not being a bigot. And as long as you follow those those rules, like you can make content, you can put it out. Um, Josh and I will champion. Oftentimes, if you'll send us stuff in, uh, in we're on Eco's Discord of the Lost Bay, we have a little channel for Liminal Horror. And if you drop things there, we'll look at it and give feedback. The real big goal is just like, we want people to make things and we want to make it as easy as possible. I love that no biggest part. That's my, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so what's going on now? It's, it's Zine Month. Oh boy. So, yeah, so back in July, we released the Bureau. That was you know, the last big thing out of a Luminal Horror. Like I said, we do have that, that Kickstarter that um, should be fulfilled by the time this airs. Fingers <laughs> crossed. Um, but that was a couple of uh, pamphlets written by other creators to kind of expand upon what Luminal Horror was. In the meantime, we've been doing a couple of different things. You know, after the Bureau came out, we wanted to help build the community a little bit. That's where the jam came from. That's where uh, we ran an actual play series of the Bureau with the Gahanna Gaming YouTube channel. Um, so we did a lot of stuff to like build the community. But in the background, we've had this, this idea kind of churning uh, and uh, we're going to be putting it out during Zine Month. The basic premise is that in the Bureau, there's a couple of like little hints that we sort of lay down. There is a location that's referenced a number of times and um, a specific incident that we call the Coldwater Lake incident. Mm -hmm. It's not critical to what happens in the Bureau directly, um, as long as you're like playing the module, but there are, like I said, there are hints to it. So what we're doing for this next module is we're going to Coldwater. Now, we're not talking about what happened in Coldwater. The Coldwater Lake incident where the module picks up was about a year in the past. We are taking this adventure to Coldwater. You know, a year ago, there was this, this traumatic event for the town, but it's something that they don't want to talk about. They don't want to reference. They want to forget about it, but they're inherently shaped by it. However, something else is happening. <laughs> it's, it's a spooky town. It's a place where weird things happen. And the idea is, is that you as investigators, as players, as characters are finding out what is going on with this place. There were some disappearances that you can come and investigate. And over the course of play, um, the town sort of slowly descends into chaos. Here's what I'm going to say about this. And what I like about this, because I, when I, when I did uh, read through the Bureau, I had a few things pop in my mind, and that's namely how would I run this as a campaign? And I know one of the things that I said, I'm pretty sure I said in the episode that I talked about the zine, is that I would probably set it in a small town or something and have that be a part of it. So hearing that you're putting this out, it's like, hey, I just found the small town I'd like. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what I was wanting when I was reading through the Bureau to add to it as a larger campaign to run it that way. So I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. So we we have a little like headcanon about where things are set, uh, in particular, the Pacific Northwest. That's, you know, I, I moved into the area about six or so months ago and uh, Goblin Archives kind of grew up as 
far as I understand. <laughs> I've I've um, I've never left. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, but the idea is is that so we we have ideas of where these things are set in our own head, but we we write them in such a way that they could be anywhere, you know. So yeah. if you want to take the bureau and shove it into cold water directly. Hell yeah, go for it. <laughs> I, I I definitely I think I would like to run the bureau with cold water if I if I get a chance to run that. Uh now my ideas were were I had my own ideas reading that, and it was very much probably more stranger things than you people would want it to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, stranger things is one of so what we do with all of the works we had to do is always have touchstones, and that's definitely a touchstone for uh this well, I'll just, the bloom. Right. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's what we're pulling visually and thematically when we're thinking about uh, as we're writing, especially yeah. like I feel like it's always really helpful for a GM to be able to see like it's why there's the appendix N. Yes. In, in the original <laughs> D&D stuff, right? Like what things can keep that uh, creativity going and keep you in the zone. So it's always been an important part of our design. Well, and I'll add, I believe, was it Evelyn Moreau or someone like that put out a, was putting out or is putting out a supplement for Liminal Horror where you can play like teenage kids oh and kind of do that kind of thing? Is that, does that, was, Liminal am High I School? Wrong? Liminal am I High? Wrong? No, no, you're right. You're right. I did the layout for that. Um, that is an amazing supplement. Uh, the the things that Evelyn did in terms of how sh some of the changes she made to the character creation yes. are, are amazing. And then she integrated um, uh, cell phone rules that to me make stability, which protects you from stress, perfect. Like using your cell phone keeps you safe from stress. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. So that's out there. Uh, Liminal High, download it and run run Stranger Things or any sort of high school based campaign. I, I, I feel sure. like you can only use the, the cell phone based relief from stress for like like Zoomers and high school kids, because if you get somebody my age and you start dealing with that cell phone, it's nothing but stress. <laughs> uh, <laughs> How do I do it? <laughs> enhance the stress die as it's covered in. Oh no, the, the Dracula's coming for me and now my phone doesn't work. How do I put a name in here? I can't do this. That's me on that thing. <laughs> it's funny because, you know, I could like, uh, like a A-plus certified years ago, you know, I, I've written in ASP, C sharp, things like that, PHP, but I can't figure out how to work a cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> so it is what it is. Anyhow, back to Liminal Horror. So uh, it, was it Coldwater Lake? Is that, or am I saying that wrong? So we were calling the module the Bloom. The Bloom. Yeah. So that, that's how we will refer to it. it. It was a working title, but as with every good working title that becomes the title, so the setting is the town of Coldwater that borders Coldwater Lake. Okay, yes. <laughs> and when we expect this to be kind of the now, the bureau is the bureau itself fleshed out, almost like a like a mega dungeon, a modern mega dungeon type of thing. But uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, instead of a dungeon, it's a government agency bureau yeah. filled with horrors <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so the, the bureau was um it's very intentional like we 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 made a modern day mega dungeon like that's we even wrote that on the wrote that on the back of it and so <laughs> with the with the bloom we're we're trying to do something a little different here we've been looking at a couple of different influences one of the biggest one is um is desert moon of karth for mothership yes. and kind of how that was set up 
Uh, so instead of like the confined spaces of the monolith that the bureau is set within, uh, Coldwater was more of an open sandbox. You know, we detail the town. We've got a ton of like outlying areas that can be explored and NPCs that can be interacted with and all these like inner working connections and red herrings and other mysteries and whatnot. Then in the background, there is the doom clock, which is something that's talked about in the Liminal Horror core zine that we are kind of expanding a little bit in this and then potentially future iterations to explain it a little better. But the doom clock is sort of like the events that will happen if the party doesn't intercede. So while you're exploring this sandbox space in the background, things are ticking down to theoretically to the destruction of the town. Maybe. <laughs> I, I like the doom clock stuff. I like that idea. And the first time I played any game wasn't with a doom clock. I don't think it was even a role-playing game. It was a, I was, I was really into Arkham horror. One of the earlier editions of Arkham horror. <laughs> I haven't picked up the newer one and we had all the supplements and everything. And we played that a lot. And almost every time we played the Doom Clock. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so we wanted to play with that a lot in terms of like, how do we make it a little more concrete for the players and the and the facilitator? And so a lot of this is like with investigation, like how does time work? And then how does that affect the Doom Clock, which then affects the town and changes it as things get worse and worse and worse. Um it's fun. There's a lot of cool social stuff. It was fun writing all the different aspects of the town and the surrounding areas, leaning really hard into that like small mountain town, forested, crystal lakey kind of like space, right? Like, those are, <laughs> like we were trying to, with everything, right? We want to wear the influences. The best part of uh, modern TTRPGs is people have frames of references for everything. Right. Like when I just yeah. when I say, you know, uh lake with the dock and then there's the um mess hall, like people can imagine the summer camp. Like we have not only imagined, <laughs> we have visual references in our heads. And so then it's like, how can Josh and I play into assumptions and expectations and then like push them or change them or use them as red herrings to be like, oh, it has to be that guy, like that that person, it has to be them. And then it's not, but they're still bad anyways. Uh, they're just not the ones causing this problem. I, I, I What I appreciate about this is... Um... And what I'm noticing is kind of a trend is that like with liminal horror, starting a character is super easy. Rolling up a character, there's no like no mess, no fuss. It's one of the easier systems to roll up a character with. When it comes to more complex elements like doom clocks and procedural things, it's all kind of DM side or it's called you call it, is it warden? Uh, we we in called there? it I can't, facilitator. I'm to remember. Um, that was actually Evelyn was one of the first people to ever read liminal horror outside of myself and. She was like, I, I had explicitly been like, I don't want to have mental illness be an issue. And war and I hadn't even, because yes. Karen uses it for forest warden. And I was like, oh, cool. I'll just use the same thing. And then she's like, um, <laughs> uh, we change it to just facilitator. Because that's what Timmy, like the person at the table is doing. It's facilitating the story. Yeah. They're not guy. They're not determining it. They're just sort of like greasing the wheels. That that works. That works. I appreciate that. And 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 uh, I I like that. Like a, a game that's approachable for players. Uh, I think that's one of the parts when it comes to role playing. I I run a lot of new players and people that aren't like there's there's a certain milieu of people who are role players 
who play a lot of role-playing games, read a lot of rules, get into the nuance and the crunch, but most players in my experience are not that. (laughs) (laughs) And, And getting someone to the table, being able to be like, here's the book. I think liminal horror is brilliant for that because the character creation is easy, like games like Karen and stuff that is kind of taken its, its cue from as well as um, it gives you a lot of options and, and being able to see these supplements come out for it that can kind of expand on things like the time clock and stuff like that kind of gives the, the facilitator that freedom to get as intricate as they want with the game, essentially. You say no, I'm wrong there? like exactly it. The baseline is it should be very easy to bring to the table. Josh and I both run a lot of things for people. And I know that you talking about new players who might not know the rules and like not wanting that to be a barrier. Um, I want people to play yes. and I want people to play pretty quickly. <laughs> um, and so it's like, how can you get to table play as fast as possible? That way you can sit and talk all you want at the beginning, but then it's like, okay, it's time to play. And you can just get to uh, the story quickly instead of hours of trying to pour through and cross referencing, which I love, but like, <laughs> but josh and i write games so of course we love to look at the nitty-gritty but that's not for everyone i'm a big fan of reading the game rules and the rule books and stuff like that i don't know why i get into it and it works for some reason with the way i read like the way games are set out being able to cross-reference things across books and stuff like that it fits me perfect what would you say like like, like someone hasn't played liminal horror they're interested in getting into it they're interested in checking it out what would you what would you say to them to kind of push them past that point and say, hey, check out this game. See what you got going on. Josh has a pretty good elevator pitch usually. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I have it written down usually. So that's... Oh no. Uh, I don't have that on hand at the moment. However, Luminal Horror is all about exploring the dark places, the shadows within our reality. Like I said, it's touchstones on contemporary times it's very easy to get into because you're role-playing you know us as opposed to you know some elf that's lived 500 years in the forest secluded from society you're assuming the role of everyday people just trying to deal with and live with in a sense it's fictional but true horror in their lives oftentimes thrown into these situations sort of headfirst without a clear path forward. But the idea is to sort of persevere and change and get weirder as you try and survive. Now there's a, a quite, so I don't, there's probably more out there for liminal horror right now. Oh. I'm even aware of after the jam. <laughs> so he, if, if some folks looking to get into it, maybe some places they can find a few things and maybe a few suggestions for folks to check out for their game that they might appreciate. Yeah. So, um, you can find the core rules online for free. I have it on the website. That's probably easiest to get through my itch page because everything's there. There's all kinds of different ways to get the core book, either physically or as PDF. And like I said, the rules are so you could pull, pull them up on your phone because I wanted people, because I also know that people, only one person tends to buy the books, but everyone needs access to the rule books <laughs> if I want them to actually reference yeah. things. So there's like a searchable website. On my page, there is... There's the Bureau, which is corporate horror. There's the Mall, which is um, the thing, but set in a mall. Um, there will be the Bloom. When this comes out there, when we put it out for itch funding, um, our goal is to have a f- as a f- playable draft pre-editing. Um, mm-hmm. We're on track for that. The best thing about itch funding is the fact that like you get to see it develop as it changes and things get cut and all of that. And that's the thing I actually really love about it. 
So this that'll be coming out too, which is sort of small town investigative horror, like X File, X Files, uh, Twin Peaks. There's the Tales from the Void Jam, and there are so many great different. Uh, I have it up right now on my screen. Different adventures, different supplements, different like little tweaks. One that I've run that was really fun. If you're like, hey, I just want to try this out, is Metroscape Bloodbath by Logan Dean. Um, it's a little pamphlet about what happens when psychedelic shared thing happens. You go into a roller roller rink and everyone starts seeing monsters, and it's like, how do you survive the roller rink? Uh, <laughs> I like that. I like the second. Yeah, right. Stuff. Like, it's like the, <laughs> the sh- shared hallucinations. But there's there's like liminal colossus, which came out, which is sort of a tweak on liminal horror. It's like what happens when Godzilla takes over, and how do your players like battle Godzilla? <laughs> there's trapped in an endless I crawler which you you just interviewed about like (laughs) there's just so many different like aspects what i found and what josh and i as we started writing like we wrote the bureau and then like the more we talked about little horror what we wanted to do with it you can tailor it to whatever subgenre of horror you want super easy Mm -hmm. so if there's a type of horror that you like odds are at this point given the jam there is at least some starting point or you can just start on your own to tweak it pretty easily like there's folk horror there's slashers there's school horror there's uh time-based there's you know liminal space horror like it's just all of that is people are making different things and it allows for people to make stuff and not not have to step on each other's toes and really make like really really cool stuff that just keeps inspiring each other i appreciate that i appreciate that now the website like it's set like you have a lot online if folks are wanting to really delve into it they like even if they like say someone goes to like i think exalted funeral has been carrying physical copies of the zane and i only think it's only something like something pretty inexpensive like 12 bucks or yeah, something, it's isn't not it? very much so i mean compared to a lot of other games you had spent some games you have to spend 150 bucks to get into yeah 12 bucks is all right it's everything you need to play but then on top of that, you've got a lot there just uh, and like the SRD and stuff like that. Could you talk to about some of the stuff that you can find online there and whatnot? Yeah. So the SRD, um, like I said, is all of the rules, uh, the core rules. I've put out a lot of uh, supplemental rules and like procedures for facilitators that Josh and I are eventually going to compile into something, you know, like another iteration, <laughs> but the goal will always be with whatever we do that the core liminal horror rules will still carry over. Um, there's not going to be like a 2E, there's not going to be making something else like non-compatible, but like yeah. different, just like little, like, you know, I went and harvested from stuff that I liked in other games and started throwing them in as appendices, like flash, like flashbacks. <laughs> I love flashbacks and like blades in the dark style games like hey if you want it for the little horror and like heists here you go and so i have rules for that i i don't know i've never played uh-huh. blades in the dark so i'm really curious can you tell me about the flash because i've heard a little bit about the flashback thing but could you tell me a little bit about that and how that yeah, works so flashbacks are um flashbacks are a way of being able to shift the focus from something to happen in the past without having to pre-plan everything and so the way i just took it from the most basic standpoint from those games was just like okay if we want to say in the way like in a heist movie uh, uh an event happens and you're like oh well this double other setup triggers and then you just like literally flash back to like how that got set up um it allows 
us as the table to be more creative into what's happening without having to, have to pre-plan everything. It's super good for, uh, like I, I keep saying high speed because that's specifically what that mechanic was designed for. So you don't have to like sit and do every <laughs> piece of planning. You can instead react to what's happening. Premature question, but what kind <laughs> of plans are there for the future <laughs> you speak to? I had mentioned a little bit, we were in talks of thinking, we're thinking about how can we take all of the content that we've made for liminal horror and make a cool i guess the best thing we could reference is if you know the vaults of varn deluxe edition yes um yes. that as a model is the perfect model or idea for how can you take different zines and without like making them no longer relevant how can you bring them together and do cool stuff for them so like bringing in yes. the supplemental rules and then a picture over Josh, you don't have to go into the specifics, but maybe um, starter <laughs> adventures are really important for any system. So we're, we're working on a bit of a revamp of that, the scene, like, like <laughs> Governor has been saying, it's, it's still compatible. So all the same basic rules, but yeah, take that vaults of Arn model, smash it together with uh, what stuff like electric bastion land did with a bunch of like advice and articles mm -hmm. and whatnot, and then tie it all together with some some cool things that are usable at the table, um, add in. Uh, I think we're we're talking right now about sort of fleshing out a bit of a setting. Uh, we don't necessarily want to specify a canon, but we want to give you know GMs and facilitators tools with which they can bring to the table. So factions, uh, monsters, NPCs, and then at least one good really good starter adventure um, <laughs> that you could theoretically take and use at your tables if you want to try out the system or start a campaign or something like that. Yeah. And so the envision for something like this would be like just compiled into one larger book or how would you see trying, or have you not ironed that out yet? <laughs> uh, we're working on the details um, at the moment. Uh, okay. The you know, best case scenario is a nice hardcover book. Um, maybe I don't know. We don't want to make it like massive, but like a hundred or so pages would be would be cool. At the moment, we're trying to work out some of those details. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna just kind of go out to left uh -huh. field real quick. I was I've been reading the AD and D Dungeon Masters Guide from Gary Guybacks back <laughs> in the seventies, <laughs> and mostly for the podcast because we're gonna do a couple episodes discussing what's in there. Uh, but one thing I kind of pulled out of yep that exact one that exact cover that's the cover I my favorite. So I know a lot of folks are really attached to the original covers. I wasn't playing it that early. I kind of have a thing for the second printing covers of the AD&D. Yeah, I was using it for some of the Dungeon 23, some of the back matter recently. Oh, there's some great stuff in there. And, and, and it seemed to me like as I'm reading that front introductionary stuff that the AD&D Dungeon Master's Guide isn't necessarily... And this is the same with a lot of other systems like Dungeon Master's Guides weren't necessarily part of the core to play the game as much as it adds a few extra things that the Dungeon Master or the Warden or Facilitator wants to add those in. So I was looking at kind of some of the stuff that you have out there rules-wise. I was like, that's perfect for a Dungeon Master's Guide type approach. <laughs> that's what popped Right, and that's head. sort of the... So. Because the, the rules themselves, the core rules... And the character creation with some tweaks, right? There's some things like, like I was saying, like what Evelyn did with her stuff. I was like, oh, that's really good for character creation. Some tweaking, some tables and stuff. But on the whole, like that aspect, 
is not going to change. Um, I'm not revamping yeah. that website. We're not re- we're not making the zines no longer <laughs> because the zines are actually a great way for having that stuff at the table. Um, but it's a lot more yeah. of like when we get feedback around people talking about like how do I use the doom clock? How do I do this? What if I wanted to do this? And having tools um, readily available to like give people permission to add and augment because if we talk about like hey you're able to do any subgenre of horror a lot of things take tweaking and so like how do we give the tools so people know how to and can tweak break and change and just like compiling them into one place and also like when i wrote it and designed it like that was the first thing i'd ever done layout for um you know <laughs> it deserves cool art it deserves some upgraded layouts and some design aspects that josh is very good at and like it's like how can we take all this cool stuff and just make it like something people have on their shelves that really like like i love zines and i love i have so many of them but there is something about <laughs> having a special hardcover that um yeah is very it's special right like it's the opening opening yeah, like the, that dungeon master's <laughs> guide right opening that that hard oh, yeah. you hear that like crack when you open it and you're just like that's yeah. the special sauce right there <laughs> and there's some beautiful stuff being like it, to me like books uh, especially game books and things like that books there's an art there there's a there's a certain element of design and layout and everything that goes in on top of that you especially if you get a good nice well done smith the Smithsonian bound type books and things like there's a lot of great cool stuff that can be done out there. Very, I'm amazed by <laughs> physical print is something <laughs> I'm a little obsessed with. <laughs> physical print super special, but then also always remembering like that's why we put out things in like um, plain text too, because not everyone can get the physical print, and I love it and it's special to yeah. me and it's a thing I like to collect. But like also like <laughs> access is important. I'm like. Hey, you know what? If you can't get the physical book, here's a PDF. Oh, you can't do the PDF. Here is just a plain text document so you can run it. Because again, like tables, the most important. And then all of the little bits and baubles are just really fun. <laughs> well, if I go to, you got goblinarchives.github.io backslash uh-huh. horror. If you go there, there's enough to run the entire stinking game just right there on the site. You you don't need to buy a thing to be oh, a, yeah, uh, no, like, a facilitator with everything that is, put out there. The, the secret is that is the entire text of the cork. Like I used this text to make the website is the same text that I then put into layout uh, thing. It is identical <laughs> um, because like Excellent. words are important and access to words are important. And like, it's, I oftentimes will pull it up on my phone when I don't want to pull the zine out to like look something up. Um, because even though we have the physical print and even if I have the PDF, like I always have my phone. <laughs> well, we're coming about on time. I want to thank you both for dropping by. Uh, could you, I guess, could you both give folks, in, like tell them where they can find you online, where they can pick up the, where they can back what the bloom and everything yeah. else so you can back the bloom on the goblin archives uh itch page and that'll be linked um here but it's goblinarchives.itch.io um that's also the easiest place to find links to all my stuff <laughs> i'm fairly active on twitter not as much anymore um since twitter's gotten weird but on a whole like that's probably the best place to see me so actively posting um we also mm-hmm. have uh, i have a newsletter a Substack uh, that usually gives good updates as well as the Goblin Archives blog. Um, so I'll be updating like my Dungeon 23 stuff 
And that's where I post some of the supplemental appendices. If you want looks at what kind of things might be going into a future iteration of Liminal Horror, those are the places to go look. Yeah, and uh, you can find me uh, most commonly on Twitter. Uh, I go by um, unenthuser there. That's unenthusiastic user smashed into one word. Um, Or you can find me on Discord. The the Lost Bay server, we have a Luminal Horror channel there. That's sort of the Luminal Horror home base for now. Uh, That's probably the best place to find me. Um, You can ping me there. I think my name is tagged under Unenthuser there, but my Discord official tag is Offended Defender because I didn't think to unify my names years ago when I was creating all these things. (laughs) Um, However, outside of that... um, please go watch the actual play series of the Bureau over on the Gaming YouTube channel. That is seven episodes. It is uh, a full run of the module. Uh, and I, you know, did the GMing for it and stuff too. So I thought that was really cool. <laughs> but we also have, <laughs> uh, if you look, if you want examples of play and you don't want to commit to seven episodes of a series, uh, we have a few different one shots of limited horror floating around the two that are on my brain at the moment. Um, we did for virtual horror con this past year, um, a couple of uh, streamed games that they ended up putting up on YouTube. Uh, one of them is for um, the bureau. It's, it's my little special convention conversion that I did to run it as a one shot. Uh, that can be found on the Gehenna Gaming YouTube channel. And then there is a one-shot variant of The Mall, which I'm very proud of. <laughs> that can be found on, it's the <laughs> Carrying Comfort YouTube channel. But you can find it through Virtual Horror Con. Um, those, those two, the the ones that we ran there, those are some really, really good examples of how to run Liminal Horror in a single session. We had a cast of, you know, just folk came in who did a really good job of hamming up with their characters. <laughs> and so those are worth checking out. And then if you like those, Go watch the series. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> to that point, too, um, on the blog, there is, and I'll, I'll give this to Logar as well, <laughs> there is a media page that has all of the all of the actual plays Josh has done, all of the reviews, all of the podcasts. It, it features a few from Logar on here, too. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, like, it's like a one-stop shop for all, like, external type media for liminal horror which is nice to see it growing and growing and then some talks that josh and i have done around horror and like writing for horror and things like that are definitely worth checking out if you're into designing or just into horror ttrpgs in general and we're uh, we're currently in talks to to bring the bloom to a full actual play series as well but that's probably going to be probably like summer 2023 ish excellent well thank you for coming on it's been great getting a chance to talk with both of you again yeah thanks for having us if you've enjoyed what you've heard here today give us a positive review wherever you're listening you can find us on facebook search wobblies and wizards wobblies and wizards.com is our blog i'm on twitter and tiktok at logar hail crom we're on patreon we could always use the support patreon.com backslash wobblies and wizards and as always keep those dice rolling